welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valerie Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we are recording this in the first week of September, and two days ago in Colorado, it was 100 degrees and I had a tank top on, and today I had to wear snow boots. <laughs> Our state has been under a fire weather or a fire warning watch and also um, a winter weather condition watch for the last day and a half, and you know what? If that doesn't sum up 2020, I don't know what does. And then I'm in Idaho right now, and we had a high wind advisory last night, and a few power lines blew over, some trees broke, and... You know, I there's not too much damage around my parents' house, but there's been some extreme um, photos shared and just driving past the beat dumps last night, you couldn't see anything. So yeah, fires, wind, snow, it's 2020 and in a nutshell in three days. But we're super excited for our guest um, this week. Uh, Catherine has a personal tie and I'll let her share that a little bit in a second. But I've been fangirling um, over Kaya, uh, this this whole year uh just based off the content she puts out there and what an inspiration she is to all to all people um she's lost an amazing amount of weight over the last year i believe it is and i'll let her dive into that but she's so positive so inspiration and she she promotes beef really well which i just love because i'm a rancher myself so i'll let Catherine share her little personal ties and then kaya can uh dive into her introduction and kind of what she's been up to this last year yeah, so we're welcoming Kaya Twistleman to the show this week, and we are so excited um, because, as Val said, Kaya is just straight up awesome. You're going to get to hear that in just a few minutes, but Kaya and I, just like so many of the guests that I bring to the show, have a connection through FFA. She and I were um, agriculture ambassadors for uh, this, the National FFA organization um, back when we were you know, still young enough to wear the blue corduroy, or maybe right after because we were in college. <laughs> So um, Kaya and I have, you know, kept acquaintance since then, and um, she's really, really blown up in a really awesome way the last couple of years for her beef advocacy and her, you know, her, her own personal journey. So Kaya, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to be here and chatting with you guys. Um, I have to give my own like crazy 2020 plug weather update because you all did this morning. Now it was not snowing in California where I'm at, um, but there was white stuff falling from the sky and it was ash. And I feel like that has just been the theme of the year. The entire state is on fire and that's just the new normal, right? It's just, tis the season, right? But um, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, like you mentioned, I'm a huge advocate of beef. Um, I grew up on a cattle ranch in rural California, and now I know a lot of people are like California. They don't think about agriculture, even though they should, because California is the number one ag state, but I think a lot of people don't think about rural areas when they think of California. They think of San Francisco or Los Angeles or the beach, but where I grew up was an hour from the nearest grocery store, gas station, high school, like very rural, and my family's been raising cattle for over 130 years, so Beef is in my blood. I love the stuff, love to raise it, love to eat it, and I love to promote it. And um, I actually worked in the industry for a, a quite a while. So after I graduated from UC Davis, I moved to Germany for a year. And when I moved back to the States, I um, got my first big kid job at the Kentucky Beef Council as their director of consumer affairs. And so I had the opportunity to work on behalf of Kentucky's 38,000 cattle farmers, which I've got to say, learning to call them cattle farmers instead of cattle ranchers 
was Whoa. an adjustment. Yeah, it, it was an adjustment. And then when I came back to California, I kept calling them cattle farmers and they're like, we're ranchers, we're not farmers. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's hard. <laughs> but um, and what was interesting about Kentucky was, you know, I think I expected the biggest culture shock to be everything but the beef industry. I thought that was the one thing that I knew going into it. But I had no idea before I took that job how vastly different the beef industry is from one side of the United States to the other. It is night and day. When I first found out that, I got to be honest with you guys, I thought that maybe they didn't like me because I hadn't been invited to a cattle branding yet after like the first few months of being there. And I was like, did I do something wrong? Like, did they not like Californians? Like, I get it, but come on now. And it took me a while to realize that they don't cattle brand. Like that was just so foreign to me. And so, um, but I had the amazing opportunity of promoting beef on their behalf and being that bridge to help connect the gap between producers and consumers. And um, while I was in Kentucky, I really found this love for design and like realizing that I had a lot of these creative talents that I really wanted to utilize. And I also knew that deep down, I wanted to go back to California at least for a little while to be close to family. So I started this side business when I was in Kentucky and it was Burley and Barley Creative and Editorial. And I started doing freelance design and logos and writing and social media consulting. And eventually I convinced my Kentucky fiance by some miracle to move to California with me. And it is hard to get a boy out of the South, let me tell y'all. But he came and um, I went and did my Burley and Barley business full time, solopreneur, learning as I go, Google and everything. Thing, let's be honest. And um, I thought that was my new trajectory. But as I started my entrepreneurial journey, I also started my health journey. And I started sharing a lot more transparently about it on my social media channels. And um, over in less than two years, I've lost over 125 pounds. And I really discovered that I had this passion for um, really sharing that story. And I had a lot of people reaching out to me about coaching. And I was like, okay, but maybe there's something to this. And so I just dipped my toe in the water and started coaching a few clients here and there. Actually, a lot of them were female ranchers across the United States. And I was like, okay, maybe my place in agriculture isn't in production like I grew up in. Maybe it isn't even in the marketing and communications, but maybe my place in agriculture is empowering the people within it, primarily the women within it, to live their happiest, healthiest lives. And long story short, this last July, I went full-time coaching, life coaching and weight loss coaching. And that is now what I do as Coach Kaya. And so I shifted from beef marketing to creative marketing to now being a coach. And it's also given me this incredible opportunity to really promote beef in an authentic way and the way that I utilize it in my own story, my own health journey, um, while also sharing some of that production behind the scenes too. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> there is so much awesome to unpack here and we're going to get to all of it. But before we do, can you tell us why Kentucky cattle people are cattle farmers and not cattle ranchers like we're all used to in the West? I like that cattle people. It's neutral. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, why, what's the difference? What's the reason? Do you know? Yeah. Or, so I'm sure you what know. I realized was my perspective of the cattle industry was a very Western perspective, right? I imagined people branding cattle. I imagined these big open cattle ranges. I imagined the cowboy hat, the spurs, the horseback. Like that's what I grew up with. And in Kentucky, they have this stuff that falls from the sky. I think you guys get it where you live too. It's called rain. We don't really get it here in California. And so rain makes a big difference in the cattle industries for, for multiple reasons. But one of them is that 
in Kentucky, they have these lush grasses, right? And so they don't need as much land to run the same amount of cattle. In Kentucky, uh, the farmer might run a cow-calf pair on a couple of acres. Whereas where my family ranches, which is high desert terrain, we have to run a cow-calf pair on like hundred acres because it's just a lot more sparse right and so that makes a huge difference in Kentucky there are smaller herd sizes the average and I don't know if this statistic has changed since I worked there but the average herd size in Kentucky is only 25 head of cattle which is a really small operation compared to a lot of California operations mm -hmm. um, and so that's a huge difference because they can run those cattle on smaller pastures I feel like it, they um uh, and, and a lot of them too, they just use side-by-sides or four-wheelers to, to work their cattle. It's pretty rare that you see them working their cattle on horseback. They're more of a ball cap person than they are a cowboy hat person. Um, you know, going out to my boss's farm, and I feel like this is how it is for so many Kentucky cattle farms, not all of them, but a lot of them. I went out to his farm after work one day and he was, you know, moving his girls from one pasture to another rotating. And all he did was take one little electric wire down and says ladies and they all just run to the next pasture like that's it I'm like <laughs> they're like a herd of dogs like they're just so docile and meanwhile in Kentucky in California when I brought my fiance who's from Kentucky there the first time he's like y'all got like mountain like wild mountain cattle like they're not <laughs> tame at all you know it's a little more hands-off like we check our waters we check them but we might not see our cattle every single day because our ranch spans across like 80,000 acres. And so it's just a totally different landscape than Kentucky. And Kentucky, they use more ear tags than they use branding, some freeze brand, but it's pretty rare. And so, so many of the things that I was used to that I thought were just normal things everyone in the cattle industry did, I realized like that's actually just a very Western way to do things. And it doesn't look like that on the East Coast. It's so crazy to me because Kaya, when you describe the ranching lifestyle you grew up on, um, it's very similar to the way my parents are ranching now mm -hmm. in Nevada. You know, it's, you push the mama cows out in, in May and they calve and, and you may, you may be able to find a couple of the babies, but then you go count them all and bring them all in for brandings. And that's how our, yeah. that's our identification that's matching them up. And just how different in the beef industry it changes across the United States, let alone the whole globe. And it's so fascinating when we start talking about agriculture and telling our stories or telling some of these intricacies of what goes on in the industry, how sometimes we paint a broad brush of, well, this is the beef industry and this is how we all mm -hmm. do it. Well, that's not true. Like, <laughs> It, you're still a cattle farmer, a cattle rancher, even if you have 50 head that you're intensively grazing mm -hmm. in, in, in Kentucky, or you can do it in Idaho, but it's going to look a little different. And it's, I, I think it's just so fascinating. So what, when you transitioned back, you said that's when your, your health journey started too, and your weight loss journey, what, mm -hmm. what sparked that change for you? Sure. So I actually started my health journey when I was still in Kentucky and I started my official first day was October 1st, 2018. And I was working with the council at the time. And, and I got to say too, in that job, I love the job and I'm like very passionate about beef and I believe in, you know, it's nutritional value. And I believe in how cattle farmers, you know, raise their livestock and tend to the land. But one of the programs that I had to oversee in my position was I was in charge of all of our nutrition programs. So it was my job to stand up in front of this group of registered dietitians or health professionals or students or influencers and 
preach the good word about beef's, you know, place in a heart healthy diet while not exactly looking like a vision of health. And I remember feeling so hypocritical about it. I, me- I remember thinking like, if I am the voice for beef's nutrition, I am doing a disservice to our industry because it, you can tell that I'm not walking the talk, even though I know what I'm saying is true and honest. I know that I'm not living it in my life. And so I always felt that way in my job. And it was actually, I was going to a work conference from Kentucky to Arizona for the Ag Media Summit. And I had just picked up at the airport the book that I had seen a bunch of people talking about. And it was Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And I've got to say, I'm one of those people that I will buy a book and I will not finish it. I get very easily distracted. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to you know, read on this flight. I have like four hours to sit here. I'm just going to read it. And this was the first plane ride that I'd ever had to ask for a seatbelt extender. And that was a huge wake up call for me. And so I'm reading this book and I wasn't just reading this book. I devoured that book on the plane flight. And what I think is so interesting is that I don't know if there was anything that was, you know, really life-changing information that I'd never heard before, but it was the, the words I needed to hear at the time when I was really ready to receive it. And that book was my wake up call that I had been blaming everything outside of me for why I was at where I was at with my health, with my career, with everything. You know, I blamed my genetics for why I was overweight. I blamed my job for why I didn't have time or money or resources or all these things. And I was giving my power to everyone else instead of taking ownership for my own life and my choices. And while that kind of stung at first to be like, crap, it's my fault that I'm here. It was also the most freeing feeling ever because I was like, okay, like if it was my choices that got me here, then I get to make different choices to get me somewhere else. And that's what I decided, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to take ownership and I'm just going to start. And I started with Rachel Hollis's last 90 days challenge, which is five simple habits in October 1st. And after the first three months, I had already lost 25 pounds. And I had really built this foundation of healthy habits and really started working on the mental aspect of it, which I had never done before, right? I had always approached it with, what's the diet I need to do? What's the exercise routine I need to do? And I just blamed all these fat diets for failing me when really I'd been failing myself because I wasn't approaching health, my health journey from a place of self-love. It was more from a place of hating myself so much I wanted to change it. And when I really started digging down deep in that, learning to love and respect myself as I was before even losing the weight, that's when everything changed, you know, because I think I started learning how to love and respect myself. And we love and respect ourselves. We show up and we say we will instead of making empty promises again and again and again, like I had been doing for years. So I am totally in love with the approach that you found for this, you know, the mental aspect of it. We've talked a lot about mental health on this podcast and um, this, this plays right into that as well. Um, you know, the, the mental game of going through life, whatever, whatever journey you yeah. happen to be on. And, um, you know, having you as proof positive on our, on our podcast talking about this is just an incredible thing. And, you know, once again, we're so glad that you're here, but okay. So we heard about your motivation and, and where you started. Um, and, you know, it, this is something that you have like really, really committed to like hardcore. It's been almost two years since you started this. And man, you walk the walk and you talk the talk. Um, Val said she fangirls, I fangirl all the time too, <laughs> over over what um, you're doing on social media. And it's incredible to see all the the awesome things that you're doing. How do you, how, how have you kept that commitment for two years? Because that is, that's some serious goals right there, girl. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think that one of the most important things about my approach to it this time too, was that I knew, I, and you know, you hear all the time, 
and I had heard it for years. I don't know why it took so long to sink in, but really making sure that this was about a lifestyle change. And it wasn't about me signing up for this temporary quick fix that was going to make me shed the weight so then I could go back to normal, right? This was more about how can I honor myself and honor my body every single day? Like, how can I just show up today in a way that honors my body? And looking at it from a more holistic approach, you know, it's honoring your body isn't just about working out and eating salads and all this stuff. It's like asking yourself what you need. Like maybe honoring your body sometimes looks like rest. Maybe sometimes it looks like exercise. Maybe it, sometimes it looks like going and getting coffee with a friend. And I think really getting more in tune with, with that and how I can show up for myself every single day and making it more of this lifestyle shift instead of signing up for a program that I hate, you know, like I had done so many times before. Um, but I think the other thing is because it's so focused on mindset, um, I've really done a lot of the mental work and I am still human and I still have a lot of the same BS thoughts that I had before I lost the weight. And the difference now isn't that that negative thinking goes away. It isn't that I don't have bad days. It's that I really learned how to practice grace and forgiveness. And I've learned how to pick myself back up after I fail, instead of thinking that failing makes me a failure, really trying to, to approach life more with okay, there's going to be hard days. There's going to be times when you make mistakes. There's going to be moments when you fail. There's going to be times when the scale goes up instead of down. And that's not a signal for you to quit anymore. It's an opportunity for you to forgive yourself, learn from your mistakes and get stronger and just keep going. And I think that it's, it's really about a daily practice, right? It's not about completely changing yourself. And now I'm this like superwoman that's healthy and happy all the time and wonderful and great. It's like, no, I have to choose daily to, to love myself. You know, there's still parts of me, you know, my own body image that I'm going to continue to have to practice loving every single day. And I think it's just that I've made this commitment to myself to just be 1% better each day, baby steps, instead of getting burnt out by diving head first all at once. I, I just love all of that. And I love that approach because like, right like my state of mind now, like I've been traveling nonstop. I've been studying for the engineering exam. I've been working, I've been <laughs> in brother's wedding, you know, one thing after the other. And, and what I, you know, I've noticed a little weight gain. I've noticed me eating more chocolate, having a few more beers than I normally do. And, and I don't feel as good, but trying, but trying not to get down in those, you know, embracing that stage of my life and picking myself up and, continuing mm -hmm. to move and continuing to, to take those steps forward. But what advice do you have for somebody that feels like you're going, you're starting to head down that rabbit hole again of, you know, mm -hmm. negative self-talk and putting on a little weight or, you know, stress, not enough rest. How do you, how do you start pulling yourself back out of some of those, those habits that'll start creeping up again? That is such a great question because I think so many of us, myself included, are so used to letting a bad morning turn into a bad day, turn into a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, right? We just let this thing snowball and that negative self-talk, once you get that ball rolling, I feel like you can just kind of spiral and spiral and spiral. So what I, and I've been working on this concept, I've been thinking about how to communicate it, but I think one of the things about practicing this is you almost increase your elasticity to bounce back. And I think the way that you do that is by rooting yourself in gratitude, number one. I think that's always a good place to start. You know, even if you're looking in the mirror and this is day one of your journey, or maybe you've quote unquote fallen off the wagon, although you don't ever fall off the wagon, all you got to do is hop right back on, you know, even if it's been five years since you exercised, you know, 
your journey never ends. You don't have to restart over. You just pick back up where you left off. But I think rooting yourself in gratitude and saying like, and also practicing a little bit of that grace and forgiveness and honoring yourself where you're at in this season and saying, you know what? Yeah, 2020 has been a crappy year. You know, it's been a hard year in, in a lot of ways. And maybe for you right now, you know, I've been traveling a lot. I've had a lot going on. I've been in my brother's wedding. All of, all of these things, right? I'm juggling all the things. Now, even though I maybe, you know, maybe I did put on a few more pounds over the last few months or whatever, you know, I am, I, I really enjoyed my time with my friends and my family. I'm, you know, I have so much to be grateful for right now in this season, for my job, for my career and the direction it's headed, for my friends and family. And I am going to really root myself in gratitude for where I'm at right now. And I'm going to decide that right now in this moment, I'm just going to do the next best thing for me. And I think that instead of fixating on all the things that went wrong, we forget that there's all, also so many things that went well, right? Like instead of looking back on the past few months and saying, oh, look at all the places I fell short. Look at all the times I ate more than I should have or drank more than I should have. We fixate on that instead of saying, I'm so thankful for this time that I get to travel, for this time that I get to spend with my friends and my family and you know whatever that looks like and say, what can I learn from how this went and how can I just pick myself up and, and do better tomorrow, do better today and just keep going, right? I think, and learning that grace and forgiveness is another thing. It's a skill that we really have to practice because we're not always very good at it. It's so much easier for ourselves to forgive other people than it is to forgive ourselves. Well, and self, I think it was, I don't know where I heard it and I think you've probably said it too, but the way, the thoughts we have towards other people aren't the same thoughts we have for ourselves and why we wouldn't tell somebody that you look fat or you don't look healthy, but we say those negative things to ourselves all the yeah. time and letting that, those negativities breed, I think just helps, doesn't help in learning how to shut those things off and have gratitude and grace for where you're at mm -hmm. and how, how we can take one step in a positive direction tomorrow is all we can absolutely because that's all you absolutely can in that moment and i and i do think you know i i it's so true that we never we speak to ourselves the way we would never speak to someone that we love and i think that approaching it from the place of like what would what would my best friend tell me right now right she would say girl you're doing great like you're doing fine she would encourage you she'd forgive you for your mistakes and just want to you know motivate you to keep going and how can we speak to ourselves better as a friend and one of the things that's worked really well for me from the beginning of my journey even till now is really rooting myself in my future self like when my i imagine my future self five years from now ten years from now like where do i want to be in my health in my career in my relationships like what do i want that person to look like and how can i really imagine her what kind of habits would she do? What is the first thing she does in the morning? What's the last thing she does when she goes to bed? Like, how can I honor her by showing up today and really rooting myself in her and almost like putting my future self outside of me because we're so hardwired to show up for other people, especially as women. We think that to be good means to be good for others. You know, to be good means to be a good wife, a good sister, a good mom, a good friend, a good volunteer, a good employee. And we think that spending time on ourselves is selfish and which is not the case. You can show up better for the people that you love if you take care of yourself first. But if it's easier for you to show up for someone else, how can you like imagine this future self as being that someone else and say, you know what? I'm gonna do the hard thing today so I can get one step closer to being my future self and really like show up for that person, if that makes sense. Oh, Kaya, you're giving me chills. I'm sure you're giving Val <laughs> chills too. <laughs> this is incredible. And in a time of such uncertainty and and you know just so much noise in the world 
Um, this is truly a welcome, welcome uh, respite from that. And hopefully, hopefully our listeners are, um, you know, at a place where they can, they can start taking this into their hearts too, because I fully understand what you mean about having to be in the right place, you know, mentally to, to have those kind of words hit you to, to be able to start making a change mm-hmm. like this. Um, so, you know, our, our time is getting short. We love having you here. We have a couple more questions before we sign off. Um, you are so incredible and such a rock star. You've been featured in People Magazine, Good Morning America. Holy smokes, number one, that's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is pretty cool. I still can't believe that happened. <laughs> what was this like? What, what led to these moments? How, like, what was that like? Tell us about it. Yeah, of course. Okay, so basically everything in my life comes back to beef. That's just the theme of my life. Um, so the way that this happened, because people are like, wait, how did People Magazine find you? So my friends at Beef and Sweats for Dinner had reached out to me last year and said, hey, we love your story. Would you be open to us sharing it? And of course I said, yes. I had no idea what that was going to look like or where it was going to be. Long story short, their PR agency had interviewed me and said, we're going to put together a pitch and we're going to pitch you to people. And I was like, like people, people, people. And um, I was like, all right, sounds good. And it wasn't a guaranteed thing. Like I was just a candidate. And then people reached out and said, hey, we'd love to feature her in our June issue. And so I was like, oh, oh my gosh, okay, we're doing it. And so now because it's COVID, I think the experience would have looked a lot different if it hadn't been COVID. Like, I don't know if they would have had me gone to another studio to do the whole photography and all that stuff. But um, also have to give major kudos to my fiance, Brent, because he is the secret weapon behind all of my content. He's my personal photographer. And I think people looked at my Instagram and was like, all right, she's got good enough content since we can't do a photo shoot. Like we can put her in the magazine. I'm making, I, I'm not sure. That's just where my brain went. But um, it was a very casual, my people interview was, um, me and a reporter that was probably our age that was quarantining at her parents' house in Maryland in the living room. I was wearing workout clothes like I am now, and we just had a casual conversation. Very glamorous, you guys. Uh, but it was it was amazing. I was picked up by People Magazine, and people asked if they could pitch my story to other media. And so it was People Magazine that actually got my feature on Good Morning America and Access Hollywood. And I also was in Women's Health and all of these places. And it's been so crazy to see how my, my story has been translated into languages all over the world, like Urdu, which is what they speak in Pakistan. I had to Google that. I had no idea. It's been in Indonesian and Croatian and Turkish and French and Japanese and Chinese and like everywhere. It's nuts. And um, it was very overwhelming, especially the first couple of weeks. The PR agency had pulled numbers and my story had reached a potential audience of 1.5 billion people, which blows my mind. And I think the coolest thing about it is that like on Access Hollywood, they, on Access Hollywood, they included the quote, beef is my favorite diet food. And that felt like such a proud moment for me because that is not a message you hear very much in Hollywood. Um, so it was, it was, it was a really cool, surreal experience. It still feels surreal to be honest. That's, that is so incredible. And the fact that you were able to reach so many people is, is, is so inspiring on your personal level and just giving young women and girls and people all over the world, some inspiration, but what a great opportunity to market beef in the process. And I'm just just floored that you were able to reach that many people positively 
with a product that we believe in, we know, mm-hmm. but what feedback have you gotten on that side as far as, you know, your audience of reaching beef? So I did tell my fiance before all of the media blew up. It was like the day before I said, now Brent, I'm going to be really disappointed in the way they tell my story. If I don't get at least one animal activist hater on my social media, <laughs> like I said, this half jokingly, but honestly serious as well. And the next day I was like, Brent, we made it. They told my story well, because I have some, some Instagram account. And I think they were called like unicorn sparkle, of course, or something. I don't know. But they came on and said, how dare you promote the flesh of animals on your hands with your health story? And I was like, oh my gosh, yay, they talked about beef enough that I had like one person that was angry about it. Not that I want people to come and be angry about it, but you guys get it, right? Um, So honestly, my feedback from the general public at this point, knock on wood, has been overwhelmingly positive. I haven't gotten that much hate mail yet about beef or or anything. Um, In fact, it's been really cool because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like I don't buy beef because I don't know how to cook it. Like, do you have any tips? What are your favorite cuts? And it's been so cool to open up this dialogue. And it's almost like me being an example of, you know, I lost over 125 pounds by eating beef at least three times a week. And it's almost like people feel like, oh my gosh, I love beef. Thank you for giving me permission to eat it and let me trust that it can be part of a healthy diet. And so it feels so cool for me to be able to do that. And this last year too, I had the opportunity, I worked with NCBA, And I got to give the public oral comments on behalf of U.S. cattle ranchers, cattle farmers and ranchers. Um, I got to give oral comments on my belief about them being included in the 2020 revisions of the uh, dietary guidelines for Americans, which was such a cool opportunity just to think that I get to be in a position where I have like this voice that people trust when it comes to, you know, nutrition, not that I'm not a registered dietitian, I have no fancy credentials, but just that I can be an example of what that looks like feels really, really cool. Uh, this is so cool on so many levels. And it's so, so, so encouraging to me. And I'm, I'm hoping to all of our listeners too, that um, you were able to have this kind of influence and um, don't take this the wrong way, but you know, you're just, you're just a common person, just like the rest of us. And look at look what you've been able to do. And, you know, to know that, um, that, that that influence can can happen from the grassroots and go up to the levels that you have is just just incredible and very very encouraging. And um, before we before we let you go today, we know that you've got lots of programming coming up for Coach Kaya and lots of exciting things in the pipeline. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what the next couple of weeks look like? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I'm super excited. Um, I am still learning as I go, as I pivot into this new business. But what I realized the older I get is that everybody is learning as they go. You know, I used to think when I was younger that everybody had to figure it out, but now I know the truth. Everyone Googles everything. So, but really exciting. What's next for Coach Kaya is I'm getting ready to launch my first ever digital course. Right now I'm doing one-on-one coaching, which has been an incredible opportunity to work with women all across the country from all walks of life, ranchers, lawyers, like everyone, everywhere in between. But I'm realizing that you know, I'm only limited to being able to help so many people if I just do one-on-one coaching. And this is my opportunity to open up um, the opportunity to work with more women. And so I'm really excited about doing that. I'm launching my digital course at the end of September. My cart is open. If you want to find more about that, you can visit coachkaya.com. I'm also going to be launching a few 100% free online workshops, giving people my three steps 
to start changing their lives. And these are the same steps that I use and I just can't wait to share them with the world. So if people are interested in exploring coaching, either one-on-one coaching or digital course, they can check out coachkaya.com or find me on social. Instagram is my personal favorite. I'm also on Facebook. Awesome. Well, we can't thank you enough, Kaya, for taking time out of your afternoon to join us today to record um, and just inspire us to go for a run this evening. The weather's cooled off, the wind stopped blowing, and I think I'm going to go find either a cow path or I might go hit the canyon rim um, and just get some fresh air and burn some energy. Uh, we, we again, thank you so much for coming on. And listeners, uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. 